Uh, it's being dubbed as an historic, ruling, a seminal moment, certainly for South Africa and how it conducts its affairs on the global stage. The world waited on tenterhooks for the decision of the International Court of Justice, uh, in that case brought by South Africa against Israel over its war in Gaza. Let's get some reaction now from some experts. Uh, we've got Dr. Mia Swart, who is a visiting professor at the Witts Law School and specializing in human rights, international relations and international law. Uh, alongside Dr. Swart is Dr. Oscar van Heerden, who's a senior research fellow for African diplomacy and leadership at the University of Johannesburg. I'll start with you, Dr. Swart. Uh, thank you for your time. I mean, this was in some sense um, you could argue a repudiation of uh, Israel's position, an overwhelming majority found a plausible case that uh, those provisional measures are needed to avoid irreparable prejudice uh, from further Israeli acts in Gaza that could jeopardize Palestinian rights. Good morning. <clears throat> yes, that's true. Um of course, you know, this vindicates South Africa and this shows that, you know, the case was in no way outrageous as, you know, the U.S. and Israel has claimed. Um, the, the problem is that the most important, crucial provisional measure, which is for a ceasefire, wasn't granted. And this leaves us in a situation where we might see no change on the ground. So I think that the euphoria should be tempered by that reality. What was your response to Minister Naledi Pando's view that in order for those provisional measures to be implemented, one can't do so uh, without some kind of, perhaps not a ceasefire, but at least some kind of pause, uh, or at least uh, certainly a downscaling of Israel's onslaught on Gaza? Well, I don't think that comment really, you know, keeps track with reality, because before the day was over, Netanyahu said that he, they will continue to defend themselves, that they don't you know, plan to make any changes. So he is absolutely defiant. So her statement comes in a bit of a vacuum, you know, because on the ground, we actually see conditions worsening over the weekend. Right now, as we're speaking, uh, 12 countries have withdrawn funding from UNRWA. The humanitarian situation is certainly worsening. So... I mean, in a sense, it is true what she's saying, that the genocide will not stop if killing doesn't stop, but they have absolutely no intention to stop the killing. So I think that, you know, that, that for the ANC, this is also, you know, very important foreign policy-wise to portray this as, you know, an absolute victory, but it was a very qualified victory. Uh, Dr. Van Heerden, let's bring you into the conversation. Firstly, I suppose, your response uh, to that moment on Friday. Yes, thanks. Thanks, uh, Bungani, and good morning to your listeners. I, I, I agree with, with most uh, uh, opinions that it is a historic ruling. Um, for the first time, I think the big, the big takeaway for me is the state of Israel has always tried to portray itself as the victim. Um, for decades now, and for the first time, the International Court of Justice has put a stop to that claim and said, in this case, we don't see Israel as the victim, we see Israel as the aggressor, and we are saying that Israel must pause and stop what it's doing. Um, I, do, I do think that, uh, you know, just in response to the ceasefire thing, because everyone is, is talking about it, I do, I do think that uh, the minister is, of course, correct. In order for Israel 
to successfully implement Article 2 of the Convention, which is to not kill any member of the group, to not cause harm, mental uh, and physical harm to members of the group, and, and so on and so forth, does require a stopping of the hostilities. We, we saw, for example, Bongani, in the last round, um, when there was an agreement between Hamas and the Israelis uh, to, to, to bring in some form of aid uh, to the people of Gaza, uh, there had to be a ceasefire for for a few days. And, of course, there was the exchange of hostages and so on. Now, if you want that to happen again, then I think the minister is correct. It can only happen when there is a, a, a stopping of hostilities and a ceasefire. Um, as, to whether, as to whether Israel will comply with that is a completely different story. What now is the position going to be of Israel's Western backers? Uh, the Biden administration had called the suit meritless. I think it was David Cameron, the British foreign minister, who said it was nonsense. Um, and yet, of course, as we now know, uh, by a vote of, what, 15 to 2, the ICJ judges found otherwise. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and and I think that unfortunately Western powers will have to to eat humble pie. I suspect, as uh, Professor Swartz also now mentioned, I suspect they are going to want to double down. Um, already, as she indicated, funding has been withdrawn to a very important agency of the UN uh, that that looks after refugees in uh, Gaza and the West Bank, um, and I suspect that they are going to double down also on their support for Israel. The, the way I see it, Bongani, although it is obviously in the realm of conspiracy, but one of the ways I suspect that Israel is going to want to get out of this claim of, of plausible genocide is to actually create a larger war. Uh, so draw Iran into the war, draw uh, Lebanon and Hezbollah into the war, the Houthis in Yemen and so forth. And in that way, and whitewash uh, the, the claim of genocide against the Palestinians. Dr. Swart, is that a view you share? Because the other thing that we have to consider now is that uh, many of Israel's backers in the West um, were happy with what the ICJ uh, found uh, in the Myanmar case against Russia, against Syria. What will it mean for the so-called rules-based uh, order if they don't quite uphold or at least make an exception here for Israel? Are you, are you asking me? I am asking you, Dr. Swart, yes. <laughs> sure, all right, okay. All right, yes, so this term rules-based order is a bit like the term international law. You know, countries love to use it. We see Justin Trudeau, for example, often referring to the rules-based order just to make them look good. But, you know, in practice, Canada has not supported Gaza. It has not even called for a ceasefire. So I am skeptical of, you know, the use of these terms. I mean, even Netanyahu is saying that he's adhering to international law, you know. So I, I do think, you know, that uh, there will be more scrutiny on Western countries now in terms of whether they provide weapons to, to, to Israel. I think this is a crucial question, and I think possibly this could be a positive spin-off of this judgment, that there will be more scrutiny and, you know, human rights organizations and innovative lawyers might take up cases of, you know, complicity to genocide and try class actions, etc. 
But fundamentally, I can just come back to the basic point, which is that, you know, there's a chasm between what's happening on the ground and this court case in The Hague. Thank you both. Thank you both for your time, Dr. Mia Swart and Dr. Oscar van Heerden. Uh, did you watch the delivery of that ruling by the International Court of Justice on Friday? What was your response? And how does it sit with you that despite the euphoria, I think in South Africa at least, as Dr. Swart has just pointed out, uh, the killing of civilians in Gaza continues?